Welcome everyone to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast that explains how your local team stacks up against the rest of the NBA. Hey Hoopheads, once you finish listening to this episode, be sure to check out the rest of the Hoopheads podcast network for even more great basketball content. Hey there, hi there, ho there, and welcome to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks show hosted by me, Devin Zanskis, and brought to you by Hoopheads as always. Today I'm coming at you solo, but we have nearly a whole new squad to cover due to the health and safety protocols. It's definitely unfortunate that uh, COVID is at the top of everybody's headlines nowadays again, but hopefully it serves as a wake-up call uh, to all of us to control what we can and take responsibility for our own actions as adults. Uh, uh, take the booster if if we're eligible to do so. Consider wearing a mask and, and social distancing more often than maybe you had um, pre-cold season. Um, I know that can be difficult for me not the wearing mask part or whatever but um you know for example i'm i'm in the office hybrid with my day job these days so i'm seeing people um you know three more days than i would um back when we had a this level of a scare so yeah i I guess we we just have to be more mindful, especially around this holiday season. We're uh, more inclined to uh, to join others, and for good reason. But yeah, considering take consider taking more action because we definitely don't want to go through a repeat of what we have uh, this these past uh, nearly two years. We definitely don't want. Uh, basketball to be taken away from us but I mean even more importantly we don't want our own uh, livelihood taken away either so um, in any event though we do still for now have basketball to cover uh, despite all this scariness but it is, it is becoming increasingly more difficult to um, take some of the basketball seriously considering that you know, half of our missing links here are due to health and safety protocols, and we already had our fair share of health issues to begin with, so um, I feel like my tone is maybe a bit more casual than it otherwise would be in a one-in-three week. Um, we did have last Sunday, just a couple hours before I had recorded Another show with JJ from the 305 Culture Show. Uh, the Bucks did uh, take care of business against the Knicks. So going back a full uh, seven or eight days, we're two and three. So that makes us feel a little better. Uh, but otherwise, the week started out with uh, a disappointing loss, to be sure, against the Celtics, who have had an up and down year. I think they're kind of fighting right around 500 at the moment. So um, 
they were definitively no higher than the play-in picture for a while, I know. Uh, and the Bucks also lost um, whatever day that was, the first day of this week, first game of the week against the Celtics with uh, with all of the big three in the lineup, which we couldn't say for the rest of the rest of the week and uh, the very near future. Uh, Bucks lost 103 to 117 against the Celtics, and Chris also unfortunately went down with a left knee hyperextension and did not return. He, um, I forget how the play uh, actually ensued, but I do just have kind of the picture in my head of Chris uh, kind of hobbling off the court and straight into the locker room. Just uh, made a beeline for for there, and um, that's never a good sign either. But uh, Buck starters in this one were the usual five that we've uh, gotten used to uh, since the, well, really since the second game of the season. And, of course, the fortunate news that we'll be without uh, Brooke Lopez indefinitely. Our five starters... Against Celtics were Drew, Grayson, Chris, Giannis, and Bobby. And then the Celtics had their usual uh, starting five as far as I'm aware of Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, and uh, Robert uh, Time Lord Williams. The Celtics had their own injury scare actually early in this one with uh, Jalen Brown, who left the game after hobbling around uh, on his right leg, but he uh, would be lucky enough to return later. The Bucks also had an early run, 13 to two, from the five to the uh, two minute 45 second mark of the first quarter, and Bucks had a nine point lead after one, 30 to 21. Drew with eight points and two rebounds, and Tatum with five points and three rebounds. Uh, huge theme of um, multiple episodes at this point is Drew Holiday uh, really stepping up for the Bucks when we need him most and we know he hasn't always been the most consistent offensively but he gets a pass for it considering he's an all-world defender um, but we do appreciate the two-way contributions from Drew both teams in this game had already tallied six turnovers by the halfway point of the second quarter, and we would get a couple uh, threes from both Drew and Boogie. Um, but the Bucks would be outscored um, as the Celtics had a 6-0 second point chance advantage as well early in the second quarter, and the Bucks gave up their lead and were only down by one at half, 50-51. Pat uh, accumulated 10 points and two rebounds, and Tatum really heated up in the second with 15 points, three rebounds, and four assists. Uh... And then to start the second half, the Celtics made three unanswered field goal attempts to start the 
third quarter, but then Drew would respond with a couple buckets in a row. However, Brown and Tatum would continue to hit difficult shots as they do to cushion the Celtics' lead. I feel like that's been a regular theme with the Celtics is that Brown and Tatum both tend to subscribe to the Tough Shot Express like uh, Chris Middleton does, but many might think that it would serve serve the Celtics well if at least one of those two would try to get easier, more efficient shots like, like Giannis does. Uh, so I feel like that can tend to lead to a more variable outcome for the Boston Celtics when when these guys are relying a lot more on their jump shot as opposed to their supreme athleticism to get their scoring done. And speaking of which, Giannis would have a sweet reverse layup as he would uh, fall fall to the ground in the third quarter, which I remember fondly. Big Bob would uh, would uh, mess around a bit uh, and get tangled up with uh, Grant Williams as he'd throw... Williams to the ground, and they'd go face-to-face. Nothing nothing major happened here, but it definitely got me fired up on the couch watching this one. And it was also at the end of the third quarter when Chris would uh, walk off to the locker room as hearts would skip a beat. Uh, And going into the fourth quarter, the Bucks would continue to to sink uh, at this point down 11 to the Celtics after three quarters. Uh, Drew Holiday was still still putting up a fight with 20 points and five assists, but uh, Tatum would drop uh, another 10 points in the third quarter, actually 11 with uh, getting up to 26 points, five rebounds, four assists. Uh, the Bucks would open up the fourth quarter in a zone, which I thought was... A bit questionable considering what I had mentioned before about the Boston Celtics. Uh, you know, not uh, not penetrating the lane and and getting and getting inside as much, but having a plenty of plenty of dudes who can uh, hit shots. So to me, it didn't make make sense to go into a zone against. Uh, several zone busters in the Celtics but uh, perhaps that's also indicated by the final score of this one Tatum would uh, pick Pat's pocket as well and go coast to coast and then Mike Boonholzer would get teed up as uh, he must have thought that one was a foul on Jason and halfway through the fourth uh, we all that was when we got the news that Chris would not return with a left knee hyperextension. It's also worth uh, considering that, I mean, it definitely does not sound like a pleasant experience for Chris, but this isn't the most extreme of injuries that one might hear of in the association. After all, um, when Giannis had that scary fall in the finals, I believe he was he was uh, officially diagnosed with just a hyperextension when we had feared for the worst, and he ended up playing, uh, you know, after not missing that many games himself, of course, we'll probably treat, we would Chris, uh, excuse me, we would treat Chris's uh, 
injury in December a lot differently than Giannis's and uh, approaching a, approaching a title. But yeah, I don't uh, offhand. I don't have an official time timetable for Chris, but I don't even know if this would if this would be something to hold him out for. I'd be shocked if it got up to four weeks or anything uh, to be sure, and that's uh, a pretty conservative guess. Grant Williams would sink his fifth three in the corner uh, as he would get up to 17 points off the bench, which is uh, something to write home about for Grant Williams. He's not necessarily known as a scorer. He's definitely... Uh, probably more heralded for his defense. He can probably he could probably be put in, into the two-way category as well. Five threes here that shows that he is indeed a shooter and and he's a he's an effective passer uh, at the forward position. But he's also a pretty stout guy and can move his feet for a big man as well. So. He's a lot more known for his defense, I would say, especially uh, on this roster. Uh, and in this game, Jason Tatum would reach a season-high 42 points. We get a couple exciting putbacks from both Al Horford and Thanasty in the fourth quarter, but that wouldn't be enough to bring about a comeback for the Milwaukee Bucks as they lost 103 to 117 to the Celtics. Giannis ended up with uh, just 20 points on the night, which is, you know, we definitely come to expect more from, from the man averaging 27 points a game. He's, let's see, this is uh, going back a, a couple games at this point and well, he's also missed several, so his average maybe hasn't changed from 27, but I think Steph Curry dropped below uh, top three in scoring, which definitely helps Giannis's case because I believe he was third in scoring for a while. Now I think he he might be second, but I know Trey Young uh, was someone who had climbed into the top three in scoring as well, so... Yeah, we definitely could have used a bit more from Giannis on the offensive end, which is something we usually don't say. But when the Celtics are shooting like this, uh, they usually don't disappoint their fans in Boston. As uh, Celtics dropped 20 in this one, 23s that is, and the Bucks had, had 11, which they can definitely uh, stand to hit more threes. Typically, now the sole win of the week came against none other than the Indiana Pacers, whom the Bucks have had their way with. But this is also with three Bucks in the health and safety protocols. The Bucks won by 15 against the Pacers, uh, even without Giannis or Chris. So I was, felt pretty encouraged by this. Final score was 114 to 99, also holding the Pacers below 100 points. The Bucks starters were Drew, Grayson, Pat, Jordan Noir getting the start, and uh, Bobby Portis. There's a funny moment pregame as Hood was slated to start, but 
Uh, the story was it was kind of right leading up to to the uh, tip off when Bud decided last minute to throw in Nawara as opposed to Hood into the starting lineup, probably just for some added size against uh, Sabonis and Turner. Uh, just which is really interesting to me still because I picture Noir as as more of a wing often, but you tend to forget that he uh, that he is he is a, a he is a bigger guy despite his uh despite his ball skills. And uh, spoiler alert, he did have uh, eleven rebounds in uh in the contest most recently against the Cavs last night as of recording today on December 19th uh, typical Sunday afternoon recording for your boy but yeah Jordan really put on a show <laughs> well I don't want to go too far considering the the disheartening outcome there last night against the Cavs but um as Noir usually does in these games where you question whether it's the herd or the bucks out there. Noir had a pretty impressive stat line. <laughs> um, I'm not sure how many shots he put up, though. Either way, the Pacer starters were uh, Malcolm Brogdon, Chris Duarte, Karis LeVert, uh, Demontis Sabonis, and Miles Turner. Uh, Drew, Drew sunk uh, two unanswered buckets to start this contest, uh, but about halfway through the first quarter, the Pacers had already had a 12-2 to two points in the paint advantage, which is not a category where the, where the, uh, where the Bucks usually get, get beat in, but naturally having guys like, uh, like Giannis and Brooke out, uh, Tends to lead to that outcome. After the first quarter, the game was all tied up at 32. Drew had 9 points and 5 assists. And Karis LeVert had already had 14 points and 2 assists. Miles Turner blocked the snot of, out of a Jordan Wara layup attempt. As he's known to do, one of the best shot blockers of recent years. Uh, but we love see we love seeing Jordan Wara uh, staying aggressive and looking for his shot regardless. Pat Connaughton was found filling the left lane in transition transition by uh, Grayson Allen, which is which is a fun fun sequence, but not quite as exciting. Was uh, Pat Connaughton getting swiped swiped in the face by Karis LeVert, and uh, no stoppage from the referee at that point either. No foul call, um, which usually happens when a guy gets gets caught in the gazette. But either way, the the Bucks kept fighting, particularly Bobby and Thanasty uh, were starting to attack the basket after the Bucks were were more of a jump shooting team to start out with, considering the size disparity. They had eight threes as a team uh, before the half, but they were down by five going into the going into the third quarter. Score was fifty three to fifty eight. Pacers advantage. Drew had uh, 16 points and seven assists, and uh, and uh, that matched uh, Karis LeVert's 16 points and three assists. Uh, the Pacers' size was still still bothering the Bucks uh, 
on the, on the glass. Uh, but Drew Holiday was still uh, trying his best to to play bully ball at the point guard position as uh, the Pacers began to become more desperate and uh, were blitzing screens to to try and get the ball out of out of Drew's hands. O'Shea Brissett had a had a steal and slam followed by a Rodney Hood drive in which he would pick up his own his own miss and put it in the cup and the Bucks would tie it again going into the fourth quarter tied at 87. Drew had 24 points and 11 11 assists already going into the final period and Sabonis had gotten up to 16 points himself. Already 14 rebounds and 5 assists. A very Sabonis stat line. Um, Turner again was uh, overwhelming the Bucks, overwhelming the Bucks in the paint and putting uh, uh, Javante Smart underneath the basket as you would expect. <laughs> um, with Turner going going up against a guard, and uh, but. Uh, I thought George Hill did show up here against his former squad. Uh, I'm not sure if that's uh, if there's any ad- added motivation there. You think he'd definitely wake up for it, uh, if anything, more than any other game. But I also don't think this is particularly anything new from George Hill. I think that really any flash that we've that we've uh, seen from him this year is is uh, is a luxury considering his age and. Um, he's really been up and down, uh, just season by season. I'm sure I've talked about this before, but, uh, his success with the Bucks had seemed to be, um, more of one-offs compared to, um, you know, a less enthusiastic year last year with the 76ers. Um, things didn't go tremendously for him when he uh, spent some time with the Cavs or the Kings either. Uh, some may remember, though, when he was with the Jazz several years ago, um, I remember he was averaging 20 points for a period of time, which is um, not something we, we would even typically see from him in his younger days, actually with the Pacers is probably what people would consider to be his quote-unquote prime, but just a really interesting career for George Hill. I, it's probably a point I've talked about several times, but also likely won't be the last. I, I just enjoy having George on this team, despite a little bit of controversy from him, but uh, I'm going to belabor any point. I'd rather it be a positive one. Uh, another interesting anecdote from this game was Kalan Martin being uh, teed up for just slapping the ball out of Nawara's hands. Pretty soft, <laughs> obviously. Um, I don't know. I don't remember. Well, yeah, he was the one who had slapped slapped the ball out of, out of uh, Nawara's hands. So, you know, if anything, the onus would have been on Nawara to... Uh, have something to say to Martin after that, but then it wouldn't be just Martin being teed up either. So if, all, if that's all that happened, I don't quite understand why the, why the refs would feel that they had to take control of this game, but 
I also don't think that there will be much of a consequence either for Martin. He's not a definitely not a guy that should that has a reputation or should fear. Uh, I don't know. I just know eventually, like with uh, Draymond Green, if you uh, if you collect uh, enough technicals or flagrants, you may uh, you might be subject to a suspension. But of course, that's uh, that's much more of an outlier, and uh, you probably will need a bit a bit more minutes than uh, Martin gets in order to in order to get to that point. And even if it did get to that point, I don't think the Pacers would care much. But anyways, Nuara would respond by uh, hitting back-to-back buckets in the paint, which would lead to a Lord Lloyd Pierce timeout. Excuse me. Lloyd Pierce, the um, lead assistant for the Pacers, I believe. Uh, Rick Carlisle is out. He... Um, I believe he's in the health and safety protocol, which is quite interesting considering, um, you know, at a glance, the uh, Pacers lineup, their starters seem to be no different from what I would expect, and I didn't notice anybody else in particular missing. So, I don't know, you'd think if, if, got to the level of a coach being out for health and safety protocols it might be elsewhere but yeah Pierce also pretty good lead assistant to have he of course was uh as a last year he got let go by the Hawks and his reputation might be a little slightly slightly diminished now that uh the Hawks famously went on that huge run with Nate McMillan which uh Got them all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals against the Bucks, but I know Pierce is very much respected among other among other NBA coaches, and he's spent a lot of time, uh, for example, with uh, Team USA. So he must have something good to say. Um, we'd get uh, one of Drew's patented Euro steps around a. Uh, Turner, I believe if I'm picturing this one correctly, it was uh, it was from the left to the right, yet he still finished uh, with the southpaw, so I'll never get tired of uh, Drew's unorthodox uh, lefty finishes. And uh, something else I definitely won't ever get tired of seeing is a 21-0 Bucks run from the 9 to the 3-minute mark. The Pacers actually went... A whole seven minutes between the nine and the two-minute mark without a field goal. So it's nice for the Bucks not to be on the other side of of a uh, of a twenty-one to zero run, and that is what led to a uh, a very comfortable victory uh, at the end of forty-eight minutes, one fourteen to ninety-nine. Bucks Drew had an impressive uh, 26 points, 4 rebounds, and 14 assists. And, uh, yeah, that, however, was not even Drew's best game of the week as he had a career-high points against 
his former team in the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, he ended up with 40 points, five rebounds, and five assists in the in the overtime thriller that did not end up in the Bucks' favor, unfortunately. But you know, with without having, I mean, just off the top of my head, we did not have uh, Giannis, Chris, Brooke, Dante. List could go on and on. Bobby, Wes. Um, you know, as this week went on, we unfortunately just kept losing more and more guys. So I don't think Bucks fans can be really that down in the dumps, uh, considering all the circumstances. Um, the concerns really lie with uh, with the uh, future outlook, as opposed to uh, frustration over games that have already passed but still I think if anything Bucks fans are grateful with the effort from uh, from Drew and Grayson who who were really the only reason that we that we were in this game and were able to force overtime Especially Grayson Allen was got red hot about midway towards uh, the latter half of the third quarter. And of course, Drew was firing on all cylinders throughout this game. The Bucks starters were Drew, Grayson, Pat, Noara, and Boogie, whereas the Pelican starters were Graham Hart, Ingram, Herb Jones. Impressive defensive rookie. He had a he uh he made it really tough on Drew Holiday, which just made uh, Drew's contest all the more impressive. But still, shout out to Herb Jones, whom I had just seen for the first time this game, and of course Jonas Valanciunas at the center spot, the Lithuanian nightmare. Shout out Liatuva. Boogie actually scored the Bucks' first uh, seven points, but he got whistled for two fouls early, which was obviously quite unfortunate because this was uh, our first game without Bobby, uh, in addition to our other big men like Giannis and Brooke. And then Mamu would also would also have to return to the bench after some foul trouble in the first quarter. So the Bucks were first to go uh, into ultra small ball mode and uh, and uh, defend in a zone as the Bucks, similar to the Celtics game, started off uh, respectably with uh, a twenty-eight to twenty-one lead after the first quarter. Nawara led all scorers with nine points and five rebounds to. Uh, Brandon Ingram, six points and three rebounds. But I made the comparison to the Celtics game because because the uh, Bucks built a slight lead there to start out with, but it but uh, the rest of it wasn't uh, didn't come quite as easy to them. Both teams exchanged a couple of turnovers to start the second quarter, making for. Uh, really ugly start for the fans to watch and uh, 
not much scoring going on until the Pelicans ripped off a 7-0 run, but Drew really started gunning um, as the Bucks, the Bucks continued to play without big men as the game went on. And I remember in particular, um, one of Boogie's early fouls was just a really dumb and aggressive one in transition where he grabbed a guy's forearm going up for a layup. You know, considering how important he ended up being and our lack of a front court depth, especially for this game, uh, you know, pretty irresponsible, but I don't think we're all too surprised. We still love Boogie for for his offensive skill set, though, and his size that he brings. But... Yeah, thanks to that unfortunate uh, Pelicans run and and our lack of size, the Pelicans stole the lead by halftime. Uh, 49 to 52 Pelicans. Drew had 15 points, though, uh, accompanied by four rebounds and four assists to Jonas Valanciunas's 14 points and six rebounds. Drew actually hit just his first three of the game. To open up the third quarter, this continued to be a game of runs, though, as the Pelicans went 10-0 from the 10 to the 8-minute, uh, 45-second mark. And then immediately after there, over the next minute, the Bucks went on a 9-0 run. So really exciting back-and-forth game, especially in the second half. Grayson would end up... He hit back-to-back threes and then got a big steal and hit his and hit a third three in uh four in four attempts in quick succession and ended up scoring uh scoring twelve of of the Bucks fourteen points for a stretch. Then uh, as Grayson played nearly all of the third quarter, uh, Drew was finally able to come in and give Grayson a Grayson a well-earned rest and drove straight through Jonas Valanciunas. As the Bucks were tied going into the fourth quarter, Drew had gotten up to 24 points and Ingram had climbed to 19 points, 3 rebounds, and 3 assists. The uh, Bucks got off to a quick start in this fourth quarter. With a Mamu three, and then Mamu snagged a steal that led to a George Hill free throw line jumper. Unfortunately, we'd see a run again from the Pelicans after the Bucks came out of the gates hot, leading. Um, and then, uh, yeah, their tended to run came after a Willie Green timeout. Uh, Bud actually successfully challenged. Uh, a call that was originally a boogie charge, but uh, the the uh, the refs ultimately determined that uh, Devonte Graham should have been whistled for a block. But um, it's interesting though because that the refs didn't decide to give Boogie uh, his uh, his free throws that he probably should have been entitled to then if they whistled it a block because he was clearly going up for it. Um, 
when uh, he got whistled initially for that charge. And especially since this ended up going o- going into overtime, um, might be a sore subject for Bucks fans. But um, yeah, the end of regulation in particular was re- was really exciting with a Bucks steal, and then Jordan Nwara imitating Drew Holiday as he finished through contact. Uh, Devonte Graham had a had a really uh, hot shooting game as he's known to do, but. Uh, you know, even though even though uh, it might have balanced out a bit because Drew was hunting Graham on defense and it worked out most of the time, uh, Graham, Graham also sunk a clutch three before a bud timeout. But uh, one of the last plays of the game was Graham actually airballing a three before Drew would power through uh, Garrett Temple to tie it tie it at one o four at the end of regulation. Drew had already gotten to 34 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 assists. Um, And Jonas, the Lithuanian Nightmare, had tallied 24 points, 7 rebounds, and 2 assists. Going into overtime, uh, but I thought the turning point of overtime was when uh, the Bucks actually switched to -to man-to-man, even though though the zone was uh, working wonders for them. I believe at the end of the game... You know, again, kind of unbelievable stat that I'm recalling, but um, believable if you're watching this with all the turnovers that the Bucks forced not to bury the lead. But Bucks forced 20 turnovers from the Pelicans, if I remember correctly, albeit a little extra time. But that is still an extreme number, um, and that and that came out out of their zone and um, and them being being connected on the defensive end, but of course, once they go to man, uh, green was able to draw up a great ATO and, uh, herb Jones got downhill for, for a pretty good look that took the initial lead and the Pelicans, uh, took that and ran with it. The final score after overtime was 112, 116 with drew, having his uh, season, or that's actually his career high, 40 points. And Devontae Graham uh, ended with uh, 26 points, four rebounds, and four assists. All right. So that was the start of our start of our week leading up to just last night as a recording. Um we started off one and two, not shabby for um, with all the absences that we had. <coughs> but jeez, um, <coughs> pardon me. Um, but yeah, it did not get any prettier from there, as uh, the Cavs ended up twenty nine balling uh, the Wisconsin herd which it looked a lot more like than uh, the Milwaukee Bucks considering the injury report and what it had grown to. We had Giannis, Dante, Bobby, and Wes in health and safety protocols. Um, Rodney Hood was out with some right Achilles soreness, which is not encouraging considering uh, 
he had torn his Achilles when he was with the Blazers, and that was uh, why there was uh, why we thought there was so many possible outcomes for Hood's season. But I've been really impressed with Rodney Hood. Um, I mean, he's he doesn't look to be at the height of his powers, to be sure, but he's filling a role, and that's all we we had asked for him. And I, th- I actually think he's shown shown uh, some flashes of athleticism uh, with uh, with a couple putbacks that I definitely wasn't expecting but um, yeah we we definitely would have heard if this was anything more than soreness so I'm not expecting we've seen the last of that either for hood but um, yeah hopefully he gets he gets the rest that he needs and he can he can get back into this lineup as soon as possible because we could definitely use his help Um we know that Brooke and Chris were out for certain reasons, and then, well, we know the reasons, back surgery and left knee hyperextension. Um, but then, uh, given that this was a back-to-back with us playing in overtime just the night before, uh, Bud also opted uh, to leave... Uh, Drew and Grayson out of this. He had an interesting quote that I had to really think through. <laughs> Used a baseball analogy, which is why it wasn't very intuitive to me. But he said uh, that they went with a bullpen game and they just could never uh, get to the high leverage innings, which makes sense looking at the final score. But I don't know. To me, that's just this just sounds a lot more like. Um, Another just bad bud quote because, um, you know, especially with the the team that the roster that we're fielding right now, um, I think uh, Bud would have been hard pressed to um, play Drew or Grayson at all if he decided not to start them to begin with. Um, Basically, I'm just questioning whether or not uh, Bud actually ever had any thought about playing Drew or Grayson at all, even though his quote would suggest that maybe if it were close, he would have brought in those guys later on. But considering that they were our best two guys on the court uh, the last game and he didn't start them, I don't think it was in the cards at all. But uh, of course, this is the exact game that you would that you would uh, write if you heard that uh, Jordan Nawara would end up with a season-high 28 points. And I had mentioned uh, he also grabbed 11 boards for the Bucks as he was joined in the starting lineup by George Hill, Javante Smart, Sandro Mamokalashvili, and uh, DeMarcus Cousins. They uh, did their best to... Uh, start big uh, against the Cavs ultra big lineup of Darius Garland, Mar Stevens, Laurie Markkinen, uh, apparently a small forward now next to Dean Wade and Jared Allen. Uh, and besides Jordan Nawara, one silver line to this was we got Semi Ojale 
uh, finally returning after a 15-game absence due to a right soleus muscle injury. Apparently that just means uh, the calf muscle, but I enjoy playing doctor a bit and learning some new terms from uh, some of these injury updates that I read about. Um, but... Yeah, so covering four games this past week, I believe I heard the Bucks. Um, when it comes down to it, they ended up playing uh, five games in seven days, which uh, which uh, definitely doesn't doesn't bode well for your team. But um, also made me stress a lot less about um, having to miss this Bucks game, especially as I took some time to celebrate my boy. Um, hen dog's uh, 25th birthday last night with some buddies uh, and uh, looking up at the score throughout the game already with the 10 point lead in the first quarter and I believe we already were down by 20, 20 for a bit in the second quarter I did not really feel like I had too much FOMO <laughs> when I was at the, at the bar hanging out with uh, some friends that I hadn't seen for a bit so it was a, uh, it was a good night despite uh despite the Bucks loss. However, when it comes to, when it came to this morning, um, of course the story of the NBA right now is uh all the COVID updates that we just keep keep on getting all throughout the day. I wonder if. Listeners may have probably heard my phone that I'm not. Uh, I guess I didn't have the foresight to put on silent for this recording. But, um, for example, uh, Woj tweeted out that uh, Josh Okoji is joining Anthony Edwards and Torian Prince in in the health and safety protocols for the Minnesota Timberwolves and... That's been a theme all throughout this week, and people are even tweeting about how they wish that they would just, that Woj and Shams would uh, just shut up with all of the uh, health and safety protocol tweets. It's almost like draft night with um, with accumulation of tweets from them, and of course it's uh, not good news either. So either way, the news that, Woj tweeted out today that was quite concerning for the Bucks was that the Cavs have had a COVID outbreak and feared that they won't have eight players available to play today. And as news continued to pour out, the Cavs uh, game tonight against the Hawks was postponed. And it doesn't stop there either with just the Cavaliers as... Uh, NBA Communications uh, posted that games will be postponed for the Brooklyn Nets in addition to the Cavs and also the Orlando Magic and Philadelphia 76ers. So in the statement from NBA Communications, they listed out five games that are being impacted. Also worth noting, as of my last recording, two Chicago Bulls games were postponed. Um... You know, now that um, 
again, if if nothing else, this might be a week of wake-up calls for us Americans here, as now it's uh, starting hit hit home more for our Bucks as we're concerned about what the implications will be for our team who just played the Cavs last night. Um, it has uh, two of the starters that I had mentioned for the Cavs, Lamar Stevens and uh, Jared Allen are two of the uh, four or five guys that had just newly entered the protocols as of today. Um, you know, hopefully... Hopefully, uh, hopefully the Bucks don't have to add to their list of guys out with the health and safety protocols, and hopefully we can actually get our guys back. As uh, I think this was already projected the last time I did a recording, but Dante was actually supposed to return against the Pacers on Wednesday, but um, of course he's in the health and safety protocols as well. So I'm feeling... Uh, you know, a little bit extra uh, sad for our guy Dante as he's been waiting uh, ever since June to get back out onto the court and now uh, and uh, yeah of course now he has uh, this this setback here but hopefully uh, he's able to, he's able to get back out there after uh, 14 days. Um, yeah, I mean, not much else more to say about that, um, but hopefully everyone can, uh, do all that they can to stay safe in times like this, and hopefully we can, um, we can slow this thing down a bit. But at the end here, I figured it might be um, a little fun to just revisit again a big piece of news and a little bit of armchair GM that I don't remember if we went through um, too much when I had JJ... Um, on the show last week, um, which I definitely would uh, encourage everybody to go out and check out, since I admittedly don't have enough guests on the show. I know that's something I got to work on, but you know it's a lot of work for me to to get guests on here, and I want to make sure that I'm uh, putting everyone uh, in the best position, so I don't take it lightly when I have. When I think about having guests on, so that's why I have JJ on a lot. Either way, we talked a lot about uh, just general NBA stuff, which is a I like to think is a breath of fresh air for everybody. Um, of course, there was um, news about some other teams, but in particular, the Indiana Pacers, a team we just played this week, um, revealed that that uh, that they might have themselves a bit of a fire sale coming up uh guys mentioned were both demontis sabonis and miles turner uh in addition to karis lavert of uh guys who could be on the block and those are definitely big names to be moved for sure people have talked for a while about 
Sabonis and Turner not being a great pairing as a two true big men um, who maybe their best positions are at the center spot, both starting together, which uh, does not really match up with um, the more modern idea ideas for NBA basketball, but you know they're both still highly regarded among other NBA bigs um, with unique skill sets in their own right, like Miles Turner, whom basically any team would love. I know Bucks fans. Um, or might be salivating at the thought of getting Miles Turner on this team, but unfortunately we just don't have the assets to do it. Even though now we're probably more inclined than ever to visit that with the unfortunate Brook news, but um, yeah, I don't think that I think the Pacers could probably get um, get a little more for Turner uh, than. Uh, an uncertain Brooke Lopez future, one of uh, Grayson or Dante, and uh, one of one of our picks, um, if any, that we have available uh, in the future here. But, I mean, if there's a way to get Turner on this team, that would definitely be really cool. I just don't think it's realistic. Um, so... I don't want to entertain that thought for the Bucks too much, but um, I do find it more interesting for the Warriors. I know that JJ and I had kind of thrown back and forth kind of our our conflicting ideas about Turner going to the Warriors. I think great. Uh, excuse me. I think uh, what am I saying? I think JJ um, was kind of more in the camp of uh, why would the Warriors make any sort of changes? You know, if you're, uh, perhaps the consensus best team in the NBA as of today in the Warriors, uh, it's not, um, it's not all too common and maybe for good reason to just stand pat and trust the guys that you have, especially when you, when you know you have a guy set to return in the next, uh, several weeks, like a Clay Thompson, who's a future Hall of Famer, why would you want to make any moves, but... Um, but I don't know. It's interesting that I kind of more so actually was in favor of them, at least considering this move a little bit more, especially, um, cause I just think it would put the Warriors in a whole other tier, um, for championship contention. Cause they have one clear spot to upgrade for them, and that would be the center spot. And Turner is uh, is a really rare piece that can fit with pretty much any team, so I don't think he would disrupt the Warriors at all. And if anything, it, it would just be a... Uh, I think it's a, it's a very high floor for bringing Turner into mostly any lineup, and I'm not... I'm not by any means out on James Wiseman or any of the Warriors' young guys, but 
again, they just have such an embarrassment of riches where um, I think the reward of getting Turner um, meaning you know, securing even better title odds is higher than the risk of uh, you know, giving up uh, young guys that that uh, can't even find their way into into the rotation, but that's where I am on that front. Sabonis, even though on paper he's had um, a lot more success, being I believe a two-time All Star, albeit the lower level All Star, uh, yeah, one of the lowest level Eastern Conference All Stars in recent history. Uh, he's a clunkier fit on a lot of teams because. Um, He's less known for defense. I mean, certainly compared to Turner, but also um, compared to his peers as well. And, uh, yeah, I would say uh, defense is valued a lot more uh, for big men as opposed to other positions. And, uh, You know, in contrast, uh, you know, offense is probably less valued in big men than it would be for uh, guards. I don't know. I guess I'm sort of workshopping that and thinking out loud, but um, it's just funny because people have really slandered the fit of Sabonis and Turner when ideally you would need a guy who can space the floor next to next to uh, Sabonis, but, you know, it's hard It's hard to find any more spacing in the front court next to Sabonis than what he already has. Um, but I think one team that, that definitely makes a lot of sense would be the Charlotte Hornets because they were slandered a lot because they definitely had... Um, they definitely had the means to upgrade more at the center position, then they did in, in uh, Mason Plumley, and they have a really intriguing talent um, that uh, that could probably be helped by having more front court depth. Uh, and also, the the Hornets do have a lot of uh, you know a lot of guys who can stretch the floor, um, so. There's a way that, uh, yeah, there, there's definitely room to fit Sabonis into the Hornets lineup, um, especially because, you know, even though on paper Sabonis and Turner's skill sets fit pretty well, ultimately they just might not be good enough to be the best guys on a team, but also they might be um, just a little too slow to be next to each other, even though theoretically one guy's one guy's more often on the inside, one guy's on the outside. And uh, yeah, Hornets definitely have the athleticism uh, around Sabonis that uh, that uh, he might need around him. And then I guess lastly, Karis Levert. Um, I just, I really like the idea of Karis LeVert, to say the least. Uh, he might be, he might be um, expected to do a little bit too much on this Pacers team, where um, 
you know, you're not really sure if any of the guys on there are best fit as like a number one option. Um, you know, the number one scoring option on a team, but you know, as a guy with with uh, with enough size to play the three, but also the ball skills of a point guard, it's a very intriguing skill set to have uh, next to other talent. So, uh, I mean, I think it would be cool for pretty much anyone to snag uh, Karis Levert, but of course he has has a ton of injury history, which is a lot less intriguing. The one team that I heard thrown out there was uh, was the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm stealing this one from the No Dunks crew, and I don't know if they stole it from anyone else, but um, the Cavs, even though their ultra-large lineup is is uh, seemingly working from, for them, if they have any room uh, to add a bit of talent, it would be... Uh, It'd be on the wing or in the backcourt, and uh, of course they're not getting anything, unfortunately, out of Colin Sexton, where there was already rumors that the Cavs might not want to bring him back, so maybe they can take a flyer on a guy like Levert, um, who won't be making as much money as Sexton wants to, but also he's he's a, Levert will contribute right now, as opposed to, unfortunately, Sexton cannot, and uh, the Cavs who I believe the deal was if they beat us last night, which they did by 29, uh, that they would take over our number three spot in the Eastern Conference standings. So um, they should definitely be buyers, I would think, if I were the Cavs. But I think that is plenty on the Indiana Pacers situation that, we already touched on a bit, I think, with uh, JJ, so I'll leave it at that. If you have any thoughts, you're more than welcome to share them with me at NBA. U is just the letter U. Everything else is spelt um, how it sounds. And with that, I'll see you in another life, brother. Thank you for tuning in to Nuck If You Buck, the Milwaukee Bucks podcast. We hope you join us again soon. See you in another life, brother.